views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to BTR News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. It is a Tuesday evening, just one minute after 6 o'clock p.m. here on the East Coast. It is August the 21st, 2018. And of course, our main topic for tonight will be about the nationwide prison strikes that are taking place right now in the United States. So that will be the main focus or our main focus tonight will be modern slavery and human trafficking in the United States. But let's make this clear. It is in no way limited to the United States. Other countries are complicit in today's slave trade, just like those responsible for the transatlantic slave trade in the 1800s, well, from the 1600s or maybe even the 1500s, all the way up to the 1800s. But today did kick off the national strikes against prison slavery in the United States. And while prisoners are here protesting, so are prisoners in Kenya who are protesting their brutal, inhumane treatment. So we'll be talking about that news and more tonight on BTR News with Scotty Reed. So glad once again that you could join me on this Tuesday evening. Uh, before we get started, please continue to provide financial support to the Black Talk Media Project. Yesterday we talked about it was National Radio Day and the importance that radio has played in the lives of various communities, you know, that used to be uh, one of the primary forms of information that people uh, were able to obtain. This is before the invention, of course, of television, uh, before the invention of this cable news and what have you, um, radio. Radio was first, and it is still a very vital uh, form of mass communications and with today, in today's world, and not just the United States, but in today's world, when you have six corporations who are controlling 95% of what the world sees, what the world hears, what the world reads, that's a problem. That's a problem. And as I pointed out, pointed out today, you know, we've been hearing a lot about First Amendment, the First Amendment freedom of the press with uh, Donald Trump being a frequent attacker of the press and not without good reasons, although I don't agree with everything he's saying about the press. But for all these people that now want to talk about being champions of the American press 
and what have you, especially if you're a non-white person, a black person in the United States, you ought to know that the press was complicit and profited off of pre-Civil War slavery. I, I just tweeted out today some newspaper clippings announcing a runaway victim of slavery, a reward, uh, five Negroes being sought, you know. So they have always, they, they were the ones making the racist cartoons, you know, back in the day to justify the enslavement of African people. So I, I just don't understand why people want to act like the American press is some straightforth, um, innocent entity that's just bringing us the news. You know, it, it's anything but. So that is why it is very important that we maintain and build more independent grassroots-based media. So please continue to support the work of the Black Talk Media Project. That is our nonprofit based here in North Carolina. And also, you can become a member of btrcommunity.com, which is a social media platform that was set up for the listeners of Black Talk Radio who said that we need an alternative to these other social media platforms. So two years ago, the Black Talk Media Project launched BTR Community. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Brother Ross. I don't know if he's joined us yet, but he just renewed his subscription uh, in the past couple of days. So that $24 a year is one of the ways that we try to maintain our independence and still be able to fund our media operations. All right, so let me give out the telephone numbers in case there are those who would like to participate in today's broadcast, would like to share some comments on the news that we'll be discussing. And, you know, this first hour, I just want to focus on prison slavery and human trafficking here in the United States. Um, the telephone number is 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. You hit the star key twice, and that will let me know that you have a question or comment, and we'll bring you on. I'm still trying to get my uh, equipment together here, so y'all pardon me. All right, so let me, uh, some other things in the news that I'll talk about after uh, we talk about the prison strike. Some other stuff that's in the news has to do with slavery, but the slavery that's already illegal. See, I care about all slavery, whether it's legal or not. But, you know, I would like to see these people who speak out against slavery that's already illegal if they would start speaking out against state-sponsored slavery and human trafficking. But there is a report coming out of London which is in the United Kingdom about child slaves being exploited at hundreds of cannabis farms. This is in London. This, this is in one of the major metropolitan cities in the world where they are enslaving children and forcing them to work on cannabis farms. Uh, another story, uh, Silent Sam is down. Silent Sam is down in the state of North Carolina. Uh, Silent Sam is a Confederate statue housed on the campus, or I shouldn't say housed on the campus, but was displayed prominently on the campus 
of UNC Chapel Hill. That's the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And last night, protesters ripped it down around 9.15 p.m. Earlier in the evening, they had been covering the statue with uh, tall gray banners and uh, talking about erecting an alternative monument that said in part for a world without white supremacy. Okay, so Silent Sam is down. Silent Sam is down. He's become a casualty in the um, in this uh, war here in the United States. All right. So, um, and the last story was well, a couple of other stories as well. A cop was suspended, and our slave catchers, eye on slave catchers. Uh, a cop was suspended in Atlanta, Georgia. I think, yeah, this was in Georgia. I'm not sure if it was in Atlanta, but it's coming to, it's being reported out of Atlanta. A cop was suspended for kidnapping and raping a 15-year-old girl for hours. Then when he finally let her go, uh, she went home and she told her mother, uh, her mother took her to the hospital to get treatment for her industry. In, um, I'm sorry, injuries. I was about to say industry. Took her to the hospital for treatment for her injuries sustained during the slave catcher raping her. And um, the slave catcher went to the hospital and was stalking them at the hospital. No fear whatsoever, um, I tell you. So we'll get into some of the details of that. Uh, this is breaking news. Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, or I should say his former former attorney, Michael Cohen, has reached a plea deal with federal prosecutors. Guess what? None of it has anything to do with so-called Russian collusion. And breaking news number two, Paul Manafort, former member of the Trump team, has been found guilty on eight counts. I think he was facing 18 counts. Um, but he has been found guilty on eight counts, all dealing with tax evasion. Again, nothing to do with any alleged plot by Mr. Putin, by the Kremlin, by Russians to assist Donald Trump in interfering in the 2016 election to defeat Hillary Clinton. None of that. None of that. And not that they were charged with any of it whatsoever. It's all been tax evasion or tax related uh, issues uh, that they have been charged with and now being convicted of with Cohen. Uh, like most Americans, and rather than going to trial, took a plea deal. Okay? So uh, those are some of the news items. We'll get to those later. Let me open up this article from The Guardian. The Guardian is one of the few mainstream, I would consider The Guardian, it's certainly a mainstream outlet in the UK. This is a UK-based uh, news outlet. So they're certainly mainstream when it comes to the UK. But very few American mainstream outlets, I'm talking your CNNs, your MSNBCs, you know, uh, with your Al Sharptons and your Joy Ann Reeds and uh, what, what's that woman name? I mean, she's really Trump deranged and Russia obsessed. 
Um, she comes on at night on MSNBC. I, I can't think of her name right now. They, no, they are not tweeting today on Twitter about the national prison strikes against prison slavery in the United States. I didn't even see anything from Fox News, not even a slanted, biased report from Fox News. It, it just seems like they're going to act like these strikes are not happening, which has pretty much been par for the course with past prison strikes. Just, you know, it's it's even though it's nationally uh, happening and it has to do with national issues, we're, we're just not interested and giving these victims of modern slavery and human trafficking uh, a voice on our platform. We're we're not even going to acknowledge that they exist. So maybe by now they've maybe mentioned that there is a nationwide strike against slavery in the United States uh, being conducted within the prisons. Um, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But this comes to you from The Guardian. Um, U.S. inmates stage nationwide prison labor strikes over modern slavery. Organizers say prisoners across the country are expected to refuse to work, hold sit-ins, and even stage hunger strikes. The first part of the prisons likely to be hit will be the kitchens where stoves will remain unlit, ready meals unheated, and thousands of breakfasts uncooked. From there, the impact will fan out. The laundry will be left unwashed, prison corridors unmopped, and the lawns on the external grounds ring fenced with barbed wire will go uncut. On Tuesday, America's vast army of incarcerated men and women, at 2.3 million of them, they form by far the largest in prison population in the world and will brace itself for what has the potential to be the largest prison strike in U.S. history. You know, last year, again, they had prison strikes uh, uh, around this same time last year, and it was deemed then the largest prison strike. So perhaps we have more prisons and more states participating, and it just continues to grow. To each year that they have them, you know, they say the largest in, in U.S. history, Okay. Um, 19 days of peaceful, peaceful protests are planned across the nation, organized largely by prisoners themselves. The strike is being spearheaded by incarcerated members of jailhouse lawyers speak, a group of prisoners providing mutual help and legal training to other inmates. A few days ago, they released an anonymous statement setting out their reasons for calling a protest that carries the risk of substantial penal retaliation. Fundamentally, it's a human rights issue. Let me say that again, because some people think it's about some side issues or Hispanic issues or black issue or or Asian issue. No, it's a human rights issue. And the statement said, prisoners understand they are being treated as animals. Prisons in America are a war zone. Every day, prisoners are harmed due to conditions of confinement. For some of us, it's as if we're already dead. So what do we have to lose? Now, they have a list of demands, and I'm going to read that list of demands, but let me just uh, read this article further because it's one of the few articles I've come across 
that is USA Today did write about it. Let's let's give them a shout out. But they failed to mention or to stress that these protests are protesting conditions brought about by the legal status of, of a slave, which is codified in the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. So let me continue uh, before I read the list of demands. Organizers have put together a list of 10 national demands. They include improved prison conditions and end to life without parole sentences or death by incarceration as the authors call them. Increased funding for rehabilitation services and an end to the disenfranchisement of some 6 million Americans with felony convictions who are barred from voting. You know that old taxation without representation the so-called founding fathers were so upset about that they started a war yeah tax that issue of taxation without representation one of the most passionately held demands is an immediate end to impose labor in return for paltry wages a widespread practice in u.s prisons that the strike organizers call a modern form of slavery. More than 800,000 prisoners are daily put to work in some states compulsorily in roles such as cleaning, cooking, and lawn mowing. The renumeration can be as woeful in states such as Louisiana at four cents an hour. The ideal, and this will be my final um, excerpt from this article, the ideal that slowly paid work in a two billion a year industry is equivalent to slavery is lent weight by the 13th amendment of the u.s constitution it bans slavery and involuntary servitude with one vital exception as punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. Prisoners, in other words, have no constitutional rights and can be blatantly exploited. Now, before I read these lists of demands, let me say this. Prisoners do have rights. They even have constitutional rights. We have seen uh, prisoners through the courts gain relief on a piecemeal basis on individual basis and sometimes in a class action basis but those have been far and few in between but arguments using the 8th amendment cruel and unusual punishment and what have you that is what was cited in the lawsuit uh, where the Supreme Court uh, told California that it needs to end is mass incarceration as they call it uh, that the prison was overcrowded the prisons were overcrowded and they need to ease those uh, conditions that's because being uh, shoved into a cell like sardines packed in a can is inhumane is how the court looked at it as well as some other conditions so I don't think it's correct to say prisoners have no constitutional rights this is what the 13th Amendment, this is why the 13th Amendment is so important that these lawmakers, these politicians answer the question, are these prisoners American citizens or not? Are they American citizens or not? And, and we do recognize that 
Many of the people who are victim of, victims of modern-day slavery and human trafficking are not U.S. citizens, but refugees who have been deemed illegal aliens, but that's still a form of slavery. They just don't deport them right away. They let them stick around a while, run into prison so that they can profit off of them before they finally uh, deport them and what have you. All right, so... So it's incorrect to say these prisoners, U.S. prisoners who are citizens, don't have constitutional rights. Yes, they do. They have limited, it would appear, constitutional rights. And somebody needs to answer that question straight up. Are they slaves or are they American citizens? Or are they some kind of hybrid citizen slave? You know, what's going on, you know? You're still making them pay taxes, you're making them pay, you know, all kind of stuff. Um, you take the little bit of money that you do pay them, you take fees out for that. And what ha- are these citizens or are they slaves or some kind of citizen slave hybrid by way of the 13th Amendment, which says again, involuntary servitude and slavery shall be abolished except as punishment for crime, all right? And nobody's being clear. Nobody nobody that I've spoken to has been clear on that. So let me open up the press release. This is the National Prisoner Strike, August 21st through September the 9th, 2018. Just waiting on this PDF file to finish loading. Give me just a moment and um, I'll read some of it for you. Men and women incarcerated in prisons across the nation declared a nationwide strike in response to the riot in Lee Correctional Institution, a maximum security prison in South Carolina. Seven comrades lost their lives during a senseless uprising that could have been avoided had the prison not been so overcrowded from the greed wrought by mass incarceration and a lack of respect for human life that is embedded in our nation's penal ideology. These men and women are demanding humane living conditions, access to rehabilitation, sentencing reform, and the end of modern-day slavery. These are the national demands of the men and women in federal, immigration, and state prisons. Glad they included included the victims of modern day slavery and human trafficking who are are being profited off of because of an immigration status. Okay, just glad to see that solidarity. Number one, number one demand, list of demands, immediate improvements to the conditions of prisons and prison policies that recognize the humanity of imprisoned men and women. Number two, an immediate end to prison slavery. All persons imprisoned in any place of detention under United States jurisdiction must be paid the prevailing wage in their state or territory for their labor. Number three, the Prison Litigation Reform Act must be rescinded, allowing imprisoned humans a proper channel to address grievances and violations of their rights. Number four, the Truth in Sentencing Act. 
in this sentencing reform act must be rescinded so that imprisoned humans have a possibility of rehabilitation and parole. No human shall be sentenced to death by incarceration or serve any sentence without the possibility of parole. Number five, an immediate end to the racial overcharging, over-sentencing, and parole denials of black and brown humans. Black humans shall no longer be denied parole because the victim of the crime was white, which is a particular problem in southern states. An immediate six, an, an immediate end to racist gang enhancement laws targeting black and brown humans. Number seven, no imprisoned human shall be denied access to rehabilitation programs at their place of detention because of their label as a violent offender. And eight, state prisons must be funded specifically to offer more rehabilitation services. Number nine, Pell grants must be reinstated in all U.S. states and territories. And number 10, the voting rights of all confined citizens serving prison sentences, pre-child detainees, and so-called ex-felons must be counted. Representation is demanded. All voices count. We all agreed to spread this strike throughout the prisons of America from August 21st to September the 9th, 2018. Men and women in prisons across the nation will strike in the following manner. One, work strikes. Prisoners will not report to assigned jobs. Each place of detention will determine how long a strike will last. Some of these strikes may translate into a local list of demands designed to improve conditions and reduce harm within the prison. Number two, sit-ins. In certain prisons, men and women will engage in peaceful sit-in protests. Number three, boycotts. Very important, boycotts. All spending should be halted. We ask those outside the walls not to make financial judgments for those inside. Men and women on the inside will inform you if they are participating in this boycott. We support the call of Free Alabama Movement campaign to redistribute the pain. 2018, as Benu Hannibal Ross son, formerly known as Melvin Ray, has laid out, with the exception of refusing visitation. See these principles described here. You can go to redistributethepain.wordpress.com. Number four, hunger strikes. Men and women shall refuse to eat. Now, you might be asking yourself, how can you help? How can you help victims of modern-day slavery and human trafficking? Make the nation take a look at our demands. Demand action on our demands by contacting your local, state, and federal political representatives with these demands and ask them where they stand. Spread the strike and word of the strike in every place of detention. Contact a supporting local organization to see how you can be supportive. If you are unsure of who to connect with, you can email millionsforprisonersmarch at gmail.com. That's millionsforprisonersmarch at gmail.com. Be prepared by making contact with people in prison 
family members of prisoners and prisoner support organizations in your state to assist in notifying the public and media on strike conditions. Assist in our announced initiatives to have the votes of people in jail and prison counted in elections. And media inquiries, media inquiries, and, and you know, New Abolitionist Radio, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. And I should just say, the Black Talk Radio Network for years, for years, has been reporting uh, on these issues, even when many of these other outlets are just ignoring these issues and acting like these men and women are invisible. All right. So, but if you are in the media, and I would say this goes for if you host a podcast, if you host a talk radio program, not just here on Black Talk Radio Network, but other platforms as well. If you do a YouTube show, then please, 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 by all means, contact um, Prison Strike Media at gmail.com. Prison Strike Media at gmail.com and see what you can do, how they can assist you in covering this national work strike against prison slavery and for the human rights of victims of slavery. All right, so pretty reasonable uh, list of demands and this is not any kind of criticism or whatnot, but I wish in the part where they mentioned that it's slavery, that they to mention the 13th Amendment, you know. So, you know, oversight, but I've been doing this a long time and I get very frustrated whenever the mainstream media, just like when they had the uh, anniversary of the 13th Amendment, uh, they had big deal in Washington, D.C. And, and what have you. But all these articles was being written about the 13th Amendment. But they didn't write what the 13th Amendment actually said. They just said involuntary servitude and slavery shall be abolished. Like all those other words, part of that amendment don't exist in the United States actually abolished slavery. It is very important, very, 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 I can't stress it enough, very, very, very important that when we talk about slavery here in the United States, that we point to the 13th Amendment because it's part of the U.S. Constitution, what they call the supreme law of the land. So then by doing that, when somebody tries to come at you and say, this ain't slavery, this this is not slavery, what, why are you calling it slavery? You're exaggerating. You're just full of hyperbole. You know, you're, you're like Alex Jones. You're just looking for attention. And so you're saying these outrageous things. You're exaggerating for ratings or whatnot. So when we point them to the 13th Amendment's exception clause, then they have to shut the hell up or acknowledge that they are ignorant to the fact that the United States at no time in its short history has ever abolished slavery. And that's what we're dealing with. Slavery by way of the slave patroller, you call them cops, by way of the prosecutors, by way of the judge, you call them courts. And the final destination is the prison. 
All right. So, again, um, we have some more stories, but I do want to let y'all know the phone lines are open. Uh, if you have any questions or comments concerning uh, the prison, slavery strike nationwide that's going on, by all means, we would love to hear from you. Um, I have another article now. This one I want to highlight is from USA Today. So we got the UK-based The Guardian writing about it. We have USA Today wrote about it, and they did not mention the 13th Amendment. But we'll go over their article and see what they say. I saw Vox actually do something about it. Of course, Democracy Now! did something. Uh, Al Jazeera did something. I was actually able to listen to that live on YouTube. Uh, Brother Swift Justice, who you've often heard on New Abolitionist Radio, uh, called in from the prison uh, into uh, Al Jazeera's broadcast on the issue. But other than that, again, I haven't seen anything from CNN, the Washington Post, MSNBC, the New York Times, The Atlantic, none none of the, you know, more popular, well-known outlets. They're not writing about it, okay? But, you know, I do want to give a shout-out to those who did write about it. Um, looks like we got abolitionists on the line. We have abolitionists on the line. Uh, Mr. Max Parthis, who is the co-host and co-producer of New Abolitionist Radio, heard every Wednesday night right here on Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, Greetings to you, Max. Peace, Brother Scotty. Uh, As always, it's a pleasure to listen to you uh, disseminate the information. And I thought I might be able to add a couple of things that I have seen today in the initial start of this prison slave labor work strike uh, that kind of stand out. The first being is the ACLU actually put out an article about the prison strike and addressed the 13th Amendment in it. And that is the first time that I've ever seen the ACLU The first time, Max. The first time, Max. The first time. But let me tell you though, Max, and I'm sure you've done the same. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. But whenever I see them, because I follow North Carolina ACLU, whenever they put out something and they do a good job in addressing the issues, but they fail to make the connection. I always post my image of the 13th Amendment in their comment section. Or if it's the ACLU tweeting out something on Twitter, I will always bring up the 13th Amendment and post my image of the 13th Amendment. So that's great. That makes prog- That means progress. Because the ACLU is one of the major legal organizations that have the resources that could really make a difference in amending the 13th to abolish slavery for real this time. So that's great news, Max. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Actually, I felt the same way, Scotty. If they get on board, that could make a huge difference in this fight. Uh, So that's the first thing. The other thing I noticed is a concentrated effort, uh, almost like it was coordinated, for many of these articles to have in their title uh, the words modern slavery in quotation marks, as if it's really not a thing or it's just in people's heads. And then I also noticed another trend uh, where 
in the video interviews that they're having or where they're discussing this issue, they will uh, say what they call slavery. As if it's not really slavery, it's just what prisoners call it. You know what I mean? It's not really slavery, it's just what they call slavery. And to hear this come from places like NPR, where all they have to do is 15 minutes of research to determine that it is slavery, to come out like that, it really says to me that they're trying to undermine the argument at the same time that they're highlighting the issue. Yes, please continue, Max. What, what else did you pick up on? Well, well that, that is something that I, I thought was pretty important, that mainstream media or those that are close to mainstream media have decided to have a coordinated thing where they use the phrase modern slavery in quotation marks. I mean, that's, and to me, it seems like they're trying to uh, degrade or to uh, denigrate the argument itself while also interviewing the people talking about it. Okay, let me be objective, if I may, for a minute, Max, because you know, I, I always, you know me, man, I'm kind of objective-minded. They could have put it in quotations because they were directly quoting from the prisoner's press release because that's what it says in the prisoner's press release. So, you know, that's just, that's another way of looking at it. Um, again, let me pull it up. Do I still got it up? No, I don't have it up anymore. Um but I can't speak for them, Max. I don't, obviously, I don't know what their true intentions are, but that did come to my mind that since modern slavery is in quotations or is mentioned in the uh, work strike newsletter, that's what they're quoting. Okay. But I'm with you though. I'm with you uh, in stressing that, you, yeah, you can quote me, but don't act like this ain't the case, you know, because we're quoting the 13th Amendment. Right, exactly. And they know damn well that we're quoting this 13th Amendment. And by putting in quotation marks, even if they are only quoting the prisoners, which seems to be a weird thing when six and seven different publications do the exact same thing. But when they're doing that, as I said, they are uh, applying modern slavery to just an idea that prisoners have, and it's not real. And that bothers me. And I, it's just something because, you know, I'm highly critical when I see these things. And I know that people will try to take over the narrative of what we're doing here. And I, I've seen that happen already. I've also seen it happen with prison abolitionists, which are not slavery abolitionists. Those are two different fights. But they will get up there and try to jack the narrative right off the bat. Max, and, let me... That's one of the things that... Let, let me... Yeah. Um, so, let me go back before you wrap up, but let me go back. Now, do you understand why I said earlier... In my small criticism, not really criticizing, let's just say my constructive suggestion that we always mention the 13th Amendment in our press releases. Absolutely. One of the first things I started asking about, is there any article that addressed the 13th Amendment? Because those are the articles I want to share. Right, right, right. And I only came across the UK article that mentioned the 13th Amendment, which I read about half of it uh, to our listening audience. Now, also, now I know this is a planned topic we plan to discuss over the next several weeks over the, uh, or the next two shows of New Abolitionist Radio, but you just mentioned the prison abolition argument because when I didn't, I didn't know 
that Al Jazeera was going to have that panel discussion. I certainly didn't know Swift Justice was going to be a part of it, but I came across it on Twitter, so I tuned in, and he had just got through speaking. I probably tuned in the last 10 minutes of it. He had just got done speaking, and there was a black woman who I didn't know. I know the other black woman because we worked with her to make the march happen last year. That's that's uh, Chris, Crystal Roundtree, Crystal Roundtree, right, who, who um, we worked with in the past. It was another black woman. I'll have to go back and look at the video to identify who she is and what organization she may be representing. But soon as Swift got through talking, and again, I came in as he was ending whatever it was he said, and the next thing to come out of her mouth is prison abolitionist. Or maybe they was reading something from um, you know their chat as they were doing, but the issue of prison abolitionists. And so that kind of concerned me because Max, me and you privately and both publicly have discussed that we feel like it could be, I could be wrong, but I feel like there's a deliberate effort to confuse prison abolition with the slavery abolitionist movement that's focused on the exception clause of the 13th Amendment and all the conditions that we see because of the 13th Amendment. Again, you you some kind of citizen-slave hybrid once you're duly convicted. And so that's the root cause of, the, of these issues. And so, you know, I, I push back against that. No. And I, and I do it for two reasons. Number one, the public ain't ready for that. Hell, we still trying to convince, convince the public that slavery was never abolished. We still trying to put the 13th Amendment in front of these people so they can quit talking about slavery in past tense. You know, if you want to talk about it past tense, say pre-American Civil War slavery and post-American Civil War slavery, okay, if, if, if you want, but in no terms should you be using terms, under no conditions should you be talking about slavery in past tense. So that's my number one reason against this prison abolitionist conflation with slavery abolitionism. And two, like Swift Justice said, some individuals have committed heinous crimes in the community, like this cop who I hope goes to, well, like the cop Daniel Holesclaw, who raped all those women while on duty as an Oklahoma City slave catcher. He deserves to be in prison. And if we ever get to the day that you wrote about when slavery ends and we have these tribunals and like and, and put these slavers on trial and find them guilty. I want to put them in prison. But again, though, prisons don't have to be these cages, these human zoos. Hell, I tell you, animal zoos are are are, are better well kept and more humane than these prisons. Than these prisons are. So the public is not ready to well, get rid of prisons. Okay? That's just the truth of the matter. But when presented with the correct information, hell, who wouldn't be against ending slavery unless they're a slaver and profiting from slavery? 
So Max, I toss it back to you on that, on the issue of, of prison abolition versus slavery abolition. Indeed, Scotty. And I, I have two points to make on that. One, uh, kudos to my brother Swift Justice. You know, he, I've been mentoring him now for a few years, and he came in as the voice of reason. And when she asked what can the sing, what is the single most important thing that we can do to solve this problem, he said, end slavery. Take the exception clause out of the 13th Amendment and end slavery. And everything else will cascade from there. And that was the point where you came in, Scotty, and the uh, lady said that, uh, yeah, this is uh, what we talk about with prison abolition. Now we need to abolish prisons and just hijack the conversation in a completely different direction than what he had just said. Didn't even give him credit for being right, because he was, but just took it upon herself to hijack the conversation. So that's why the other point is I'm going to make right now an open invitation, and I'll do it tomorrow on New Abolitionist Radio, to any prison abolitionists that want to come on our program and hash this out with us so we can get this settled once and for all. Send your best, your most well-versed person who is aware of everything that's going on in your prison abolitionist movement to New Abolitionist Radio so we can sit down and talk. Because you're not helping us at this point. You are distracting from the real issue. And you're also taking all the gains and efforts and accomplishments that the abolitionist movement has gotten and crediting it to your movement, which is completely wrong. And then in addition to that, you consistently forget us completely like we ain't even here, like we're not doing this, like none of this has ever happened, and then apply everything to your movement. I don't personally appreciate it, and I think that as logical thinking human beings we can get together on new abolitionist radio and talk this out yeah uh, and also to the media if you're going to talk to us about slavery if you're going to talk to us about thir- the 13th amendment exception clause if you're going to talk to us about the horrible conditions of that these prisoners are forced to work under not to mention the slave wages if they get a wage at all. If that's what your program is about, why are you inviting prison abolitionists on? Because it muddies the water, so to speak. It clouds the issue. It provides, like Max said, a distraction. Because we are not on the same page. Now, there may be some, those who work in the prison abolition movement who are also against prison slavery, but I just want to make it clear that these are two separate movements, Max. Right. Exactly. The prison abolitionist movement doesn't hold anybody accountable for crimes against humanity. They don't see this as an ongoing crime. They're looking to reform or abolish prisons. But slavery didn't begin with prisons, and it don't end with prisons. It's not all about prison. Slavery involves nearly every aspect of American society and going on now, global society. And it's not limited to prisons. Trust me when I tell you if they had abolished plantations, there would have still been slaves. Right. And then what 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 are you proposing in place of the prison? What, some home detention? Some ankle monitoring? So that they can continue to make profits from slavery man just think uh, pre-American Civil War slavery man that they had ankle monitors then that was like your slave pass right Mm -hmm. 
Like the slave tags, exactly. All right, Max. Well, you... I'm not going to uh, take over your program, man, because, you know, I could talk about this all day, and I will tomorrow talk about it in detail along with you. But I'm going to pass it back to you, brother. Uh, great conversation, and I look forward to hearing the rest. All right. Thank you for uh, chiming in, Max. And, of course, as he stated, you know, we talk about about these issues week in and week out every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on New Abolitionist Radio, which is heard on the Black Talk Radio Network, but you can also find the podcast on uh, TuneIn, uh, YouTube, and other outlets as well. All right, so I want to run this interview. Um, I think this is from Democracy Now!, I don't think it is. It could be. It, not really. It was posted by the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee, IWOC. And we've had a number of their uh, members on the program discussing modern day slavery and human trafficking via the prisons, via the 13th Amendment for a couple of years now. And they do tremendous work. And so I was looking for some, you know, media today. I went to YouTube and put in prison strikes and everything, mostly everything was from last year or even six years ago. You know, uh, six years ago, there was like, I think that was the strikes that were in Georgia. I do remember reporting on them in, in on New Abolitionist Radio, but I just wasn't finding anything related to today's strikes except from Democracy Now, Al Jazeera, and IWOC. IWOC put this video out. So I want to play this seven-minute video from IWOC because they have been a major player and a long-standing advocate for uh, prisoners who are victims of prison slavery. All right, so let's start that up. The call was initiated by prisoners out of different facilities that have been organizing together over a number of years. After the insurrection in Lee Correctional Facility in South Carolina, where seven prisoners were murdered in, uh, due to overcrowding in uh, prison conditions, prisoners organized a national strike to uh, build on the success of the 2016 national prison strike. Of 2016, those 24 facilities were shut down across the country. It was the largest prison strike in the in the country since Attica, uh, 45 years before. And it really put prison conditions and mass incarcerations into a national discussion once again. In 2016, when a single day was called on September 9th, we found that prison administration officials uh, chose preemptively to uh, shut down facilities for what they called administrative reasons. Uh, thereby taking away the power of the uh, prisoners to strike. So this time around, prisoners have uh, adapted their strategy and tactics and decided that they're going to call for a week. The administration can't shut down the facilities for a week because the the infrastructure would not survive uh, a week without prison labor. Work stoppages, sit-ins to boycotts of commissary, and that's been an adaptation of strategy and tactics over the years, uh, whereas the uh, hunger strikes in 2013 uh, were very effective in bringing discussion to solitary confinement for indefinite periods of time and led to the Ashker settlement. These different 
variety, diversity of tactics is uh, a hope to be able to remedy some of the grievances that are part of the national list of demands. Prisoners have called for immediate improvement to prisons and prison conditions, uh, having access to vote, having access to the law library and law resources, rehabilitation access and services. Uh, Pell grants should be reinstated. Well, there's been less and less services, whether they be college degrees and particularly rehab services. And especially if you get these day gang designations uh, or higher classifications, you get less and less opportunity to those rehabilitation services. So they're minuscule at best, and very few people even have access to them because the overcharging uh, and overclassifying of particularly black and brown people. Uh, so an immediate end to racist gang enhancement laws targeting black and brown people, and nobody should be denied access to rehab, and no human being should be uh, forced into prison for the rest of their lives. Uh, and an end to prison slavery, being able to pay for the work that they do. These are all legitimate uh, human rights demands. Um, and I think once we recognize that, we'll recognize them net, not as what they've been moralistically designated as, as gangs or criminals or guilty, but as human beings and our neighbors and our brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. Some people will, will look at me possibly as a ex-felon or a parolee. I consider myself to be a survivor of a system that was uh, made to target me and uh, have me doing life in prison. I know how to strip floors, wax them, take the gum up off floors, and, and so I started doing that, and that was 16 cents an hour. I started out as a line server, serving food, for breakfast and dinner, then I became a dishwasher, and just all maintenance of the kitchen. Mm -hmm. I didn't pay much, they paid 13 cents an hour. Basically I worked, at, I made $20 a month, and they took 55% of that out for restitution. It's kind of like a modern-day plantation situation, um, specifically targeting um, poor people and most especially the most marginalized community, black and brown and uh, LGBT community. As somebody has identified you as a gang member. Now, there is no way for you to ever find out who did that, what was said, or even if anything was said at all. Witnessing from my experience in prison, uh, was that the prison administrations it really foster a state which encourages prison gangs and for prisoners to be divided and to not come together around common issues. When we realize who the enemies are really or who, who, who is putting us in these situations and uh, recognizing that the cellmate next to me, although it may be a different religion or uh, race or sexual orientation, we still have the same captor, which is the state and the guard and the warden. And the victories have come from agreements to end hostilities. Remember Attica! Remember Attica! Remember Jackson! Remember Jackson! Remember our incarcerated freedom fighters! Remember our incarcerated freedom fighters! banner drops, leafleting, making people aware at prison facilities of the conditions, maybe at some of the corporations that profit off prison labor. Articles can be written supporting legislative initiatives that some of these prisoners are asking for, like uh, prevailing wages for the work they do, contacting politicians and writing letters to the editor, and uh, getting the word out as much as possible that the, the, these prisoners are trying to get their voices heard, and it, it, they really need us to do that for them. 
we found most effective for people in the least amount of effort is, uh, is phone zaps. Decide amongst yourselves that when a call is announced for a phone zap for a specific facility or for a specific person that's been retaliated against, that you call that facility and voice the prisoner's demands. Typically, there's a script that's already created that can be sent out, um, but we found that it's been effective for people from the community to call, especially on specified dates and times, and relay the prisoner's issues and demands. A five-minute phone call could reduce someone's time in solitary confinement by five minutes. Phone zaps work. So when you see a phone blast announced, make the calls, encourage other people to make the calls, form your own group, uh, and then call again. It's prisoners that have called for this strike, it's prisoners that have drafted this list of demands, and it's prisoners that continue to communicate with us and relay to us the conditions they face, the retaliation they face when they try to speak out on their own. So it's incumbent to me on anybody that really does care about social justice and human rights that they would listen to these prisoners and that they would take their direction. And, uh, and that's what we're doing in Oak and Iwalk and we're encouraging others to do as well. We're prison abolitionists, so we believe there shouldn't be prisons, whether federal or state. We don't believe in detention. Okay, I'm going to cut it there because that's what me and Max was just talking about. And so, you know, we'll have that conversation later. But before I go to my music break and station identification break, you're listening to BTR News with Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines. I want to... I expressed something earlier on Facebook. As I mentioned, I was watching the live stream on YouTube that Al Jazeera had uh, about the prison strikes today. Swift Justice was was among those who participated as a panel member. And as I was reading the chat, I saw some people possibly emotional because of the trauma of racism in this country. It, it, it is. It's a real thing. Um, well, I don't have to tell my listening audience that racism is real, but you know, there are some people out there that, that say racism don't exist. Uh, like Sheriff, former Sheriff David A. Clark and Candace Owens of um, Turning Point USA and what have you. But anyway, a lot of us have a lot of trauma and need some psychological help. So it's understandable because you're speaking from a place of trauma. But I believe some of us, though, are so damaged from that trauma and haven't received help that we can hinder some of the things that we're trying to do. Now, I first became aware of Neely Fuller Jr., a a racism analyst is, is the term I have given him. I think that's the most accurate term. He analyzes racism um, in terms of countering racism. You know, there are people who say that they're counter racist. Um, you know, if we're counter racist, then we should be winning every battle. You know, it shouldn't be a constant uphill struggle. Uh, we try to minimize the racism, racist impact on us as individuals, like in the workplace or just anywhere in society. So I would say Mr. Fuller is more accurately described as a counter-racist analyst. He has analyzed racism, 
white supremacy and he has made suggestions. The most helpful suggestion this man I have ever heard him make and as with other human beings, we may not agree on everything 100%, but I absolutely agree with him when we're talking to like we were just called on to do to call our legislators or the representatives appointed over the district or elected to the district um, call these jails, talk to these politicians that we should talk about prison slavery in non-race coded language okay Mr. Fuller said that can you think of a way to talk about mistreatment or an issue of mistreatment without using the R word. And he has a specific logic behind that. Again, this is for public debate. This isn't private discussion among victims themselves and what have you. Not trying to police your language. I just think that his suggestion is very, very constructive. If when we're in public, public forums, public events, or we're talking to public representatives and what have you, that we discuss this specific issue in non-color-coded language, that we even adopt their language, okay? They like to say everybody's an American and we shouldn't have all these different hyphenated Americans. So I, I would use that language. I would say, don't you know, it, it's, it's a shame that Americans are being enslaved um, 150 years after the American Civil War was, was supposed to end slavery and did not, that American citizens and non-citizens alike are still subjected to a form of slavery through the prisons and what have you. Um, you know, I think that is wrong that human beings should be kept in inhumane buildings where there's no air conditioning, um, there's mold, mildew, there's hepatitis C virus being spread as well as AIDS or HIV and what have you. And, you know, these are human beings and they shouldn't be subjected to inhumane treatment. These are human rights issues. Okay, talk to them in non-color-coded language because like Mr. Fuller said, soon as you start accusing them or make the accusation against someone or something and use the R word, say, hey, I think you're racist or I think you're practicing racism, that that is a buzzword and it will get people automatically going into denial mode and no longer will the conversation be about finding solutions to the problem. It, the conversation will then turn to denials of racism and what's racism and what's not racist and, and what have, what have you. I think he's absolutely making 100% sense on that issue. And I will even say, who is your audience? Who are you talking to? Do you really think you're going to convince a racist person that what they're doing is racist? 
No, you're not. Is that what you're trying to do? Are you trying to get an acknowledgement from a racist that they're practicing racism? Is that what is that the point? Or is the point to end mistreatment? Because if the point is to argue with racists, I think you're wasting a lot of time with some people who you're not going to change their mind on anything whatsoever. So why, why use that language? Why use that language? Why give them an opportunity to say, Scotty, now you want to talk about black people are being enslaved, but man, I just saw this black cop beating the heck out of this black man in Baltimore or Scotty. Don't you remember Freddie Gray, man, three-fourths of the cops was black. Or Scotty, didn't you hear about that black warden down there in Mississippi that was giving contracts under the table in exchange for bribes to service the prisons? I think that was Mississippi. Christopher Epps. Yeah, yeah, Scotty. And Scotty, I looked at the GEO Group's board members, and then I also looked at the board members of Core Civic formerly Correction Corporation of America, and I saw Thurgood Marshall Jr., yeah, that famous Supreme Court judge who was black, his son is now sitting on the private prison board, or those two black men that was on the GL Group's uh, private prison uh, company board, and what have you. See, I don't get, I don't give them an opportunity to counter me with arguments of not racism. Okay? So Mr. Fuller is dead on point when we're talking to non-black people, when we're in a forum, a public forum, that unless, unless there's direct evidence and we got them on tape saying the N-word, nigger, then and saying how we're going to target the blacks, like Nixon said, we're going to target the blacks, what's the point of bringing up the R word? Because they're just going to go into deflection and denial of racism. But if we, for this issue, if we keep it focused on slavery, we don't give them an opportunity to counter us and push us in a direction that has nothing to do with finding a solution to the problem. And then, for those who saw the video, the video is posted in btrcommunity.com, and I've known this for quite some time. That was the, the main speaker you heard from IWAC was a white felon, a white person who had been a victim of slavery and human trafficking. If you heard the black man who sounded like he was on a bullhorn, hell, he was surrounded by more white people than he was black people. And make no mistake, though, white people should be at the forefront of ending slavery. They should be on the front lines, okay? Because they're still benefiting from what was built on the backs of slaves and what have you, or the victims of slavery. I don't want to use call them slaves so that I agree with Mr. Fuller let's do our best to use codified language expand our vocabulary pull out a dictionary if need be like one of the another word I've come up with for a metaphor for racism is bigotry 
means the same thing, okay? Almost the same thing. But it's but call somebody a bigot and then, you know, it doesn't it isn't as emotionally charged as charging them with racism. This is say this is bigotry. So, you know, that's just my code. Mr. Fuller said everybody should adopt their own codes and what have you. But based on his suggestion of expanding my vocabulary and not using the R word with people in public, I I will use the B word. Or I will talk about slavery as something that impacts Americans and non-Americans alike. Because my goal is to end slavery. I don't think I have to prove racism exists. There's too much evidence, too many arguments, too many studies that show racism exists that I don't need to prove that. I need to prove that slavery is still happening. And I was happy to hear before she passed, I heard a clip, I got to find the clip of Dr. Francis Cress Welsing saying that white supremacy came about as a way to continue slavery, making it a race-based institution instead of a poverty-based institution. Let's make it a race-based institution. We'll even pass laws that restrict the rights of free black people so that these black people don't make no money. And then since they ain't making no money, they can't really help in slavery or or help pay to get people out of slavery and what have you. These are historical facts that I don't think anybody uh, can challenge you on. All right, so I do want to go ahead and take my station identification break and play a music track. And when we come back on the other side, I guess I'll share this last article with you, but get in some of the news stories of the evening. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc., where slavery and human trafficking is a major economic pillar of this country. Stay tuned. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. I 
no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder. Damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm. I hook a beat up, convert it into hip-hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in. Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild if you wanna be tame. I treat you like a child, then you're gonna be named. Another enemy, not even a friend of me. Cause you'll get fried in the end when you pretend to be competing. Cause I just put your mind on pause and I complete when you compare my rhyme with yours. I wake you up and as I stare in your face, you seem stunned. Remember me, the one you got your idea from. But soon you start to suffer. The tuna get rougher when you start to stutter. That's when you had enough of fighting it'll make you choke. You can't provoke, you can't cope. You should have broke because I ain't no joke. Joke. As serious as cancer Who can keep the average dancer Hyper as a heart attack Nobody's smiling Cause you're expressing The rhyme that I'm styling This is what we all sit down to write You can't make it So you take it home Break it and bite Use pieces and bits Of all my hip hop hits Get the style down Packed in it's time to switch Put my tape on pause And add some more to yours Then you figured You're ready for the neighborhood chores The E-M-C-E-E Don't even try to be When you come up to speak Don't even lie to me You like to exaggerate Dream and imagine Then change the rhyme around That could aggravate me So when you see me come up, freeze Or you'll be one of those seven MCs They think that I'm a new jack But only if they knew that They who think wrong Or they who can't do that style that I'm doing They might ruin Patterns and paragraphs based on you And you all be DJ If anything he play sound familiar I'll wait to East say play him So I'ma have to diss who broke You can get a smack for this I ain't no joke Joke, joke, joke microphone like a grudge be a whole of record so the needle don't budge a whole of conversation cause what i invent i nominated my dj the president when i'm see y'all keep a freestyle going steadily to pucker up and whistle my melody but whatever you do don't miss one there'll be another rough rhyme after this one before you know it you're following the fiend waiting for the punchline to get the meaning like before the mural of my story i'm telling nobody beats the r so stop yelling save it put it in your pocket for later cause i'm moving the crowd and be a rector fader no interruptions till the mic is broke when i'm gone then you can joke cause everything is real on a serious tip keep playing and i get furious quick and i take it for a walk through hell freeze your dome then watch your eyeballs swell god you out of trouble stays darkness when they get dark again then i'ma spark this microphone cause the heat is on you see smoke in the finish when the beat is gone i'm no joke joke no joke People are thinking in terms of, well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that there's something incorrect about being white, even though these are the creations of the creator. 
see, and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing, and people immediately start taking sides. It's not about taking sides based on black and white. It's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice. Well, that's what you're really aiming for. Being black doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice. And being white doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice, except you mean in you believe in non-justice. And that doesn't make any difference what shade you are or how tall you are or who your cousin was or anything like that or what so-called nationality you have. Like a lot of people say that they take pride in being an Englishman or take pride in being a Frenchman or take pride in being Afrocentric. Well, you're not supposed to be proud of any of those things if you don't believe in justice because these words mean nothing. No nationality means anything. And, and waving a flag if you don't believe in not mistreating people. You've got to believe in not mistreating people, and you've got to believe in helping people that need help the most. Otherwise, you don't even have any business breathing. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to BTR News. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. in this state they call North Carolina. Shout out to my fellow Carolinians out there. But going back to what I was saying before the break, though, I want to correct myself on something. You know, we do have policies, and I did make the exception that when you have evidence of racism, it's when you charge racism. So if we got the data and we can prove that black and Latino gangs are being targeted with gang enhancements or uh, color-coded restrictions, you know, you can't wear blue, you can't wear... I mean, these are some laws that I have seen proposed, you know, banning the color red, banning the color blue. But those same tactics aren't used against, let's say, Hell's Angels or any other uh, racist biker gang out there. And I don't know if Hell's Angels is racist or not. I couldn't comment because I haven't studied them. Studied them. Or anything, but I know they're a biker gang. Okay, any of these gangs that engage in criminal activity, as they say, and and you know making money through human trafficking, through prostitution, selling drugs or what? Hey, and you're not using using the same tactics against them. Then yes, we have to call that out. We have to say it's racist that you know you're only focusing on non-white people and you're not so. There are exceptions to Mr. Fuller's rule when he says, when in public debate, try not to use the R word to get people in their emotions and denials of racism. When you can lay that evidence out, when you can take the data that they themselves collect and lay that out and show the racist impact of their tactics, then you should do that. So, 
I just want to be clear here. I'm not saying we should never talk about racism in a public forum or make those racist charges. That is not what I'm saying. If it specifically is racist and we have the evidence, then yes, by all means. But if we're talking about something that affects more than one group, because slavery affects us all. It affects us all. It affects me not because of my skin color. It affects me because of the taxes that I pay that go to support something that I don't want to support. It goes to pay the salaries of people that I don't want to pay to do what they're doing. And that's slave catching. Okay? So, when something is impacting us all, let's use codified language and say, hey, this is a human rights issue. So, just want to make myself clear so that there's no misunderstanding or I wasn't miscommunicating uh, my thoughts on that subject. All right. I want to talk about, still talk about slavery. Let me check the board, see if we have any callers. All right. Nobody with any questions. Again, hit uh, the telephone number 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Hit star key twice. And that will let me know you have a comment. All right. Um, what I want to focus on now is the fact that slavery is international just like it always has been an international industry, okay? And on New Abolitionist Radio, we have talked about how some of these companies like the GO Group, Private Prison and Slaver, uh, second largest in the United States, has totally taken over Australia's prisons, right? They run all of Australia's prisons, We've heard about privatization of prisons in places like Brazil. And they're following the model, the slavery, the modern day slavery business plan of the United States. Okay? That's what they're doing. They're exporting it. But even if they don't have private prisons, let's say in Africa, they are still adopting those that model. That business model, Uganda is one of those prisons, uh, prison industrial complexes in Africa where they use the prisoners for their labor, for uh, items that's going to hit the open market and what have you. I've seen a video on YouTube, uh, prisoners, Ugandan prisoners being used to pick cotton. And it was a billion dollars a year that these prisoners was bringing in from picking this cotton and what have you. And they were talking about expanding their operations by then processing the the cotton right there on the prison grounds, right there on the plantation, okay? Now, today, I heard about a prisoner protest in Kenya. And these prisoners are protesting their brutal inhumane treatment. What What is it with the world that we pass these laws, and yes, some people have committed heinous crimes and what have you, but the vast majority of the people in prison, is certainly true here in the United States, but I suspect worldwide, 
are not in there because they raped someone or murdered someone or stole something from somebody. It's, it, it, it probably has to do with some kind of nonviolent law, uh, nonviolent behavior, a crime of survival or whatnot. And that's the reason why they're in prison. Let's say, you know, street walking, prostitution. Now everybody has a pimp. Now all street or sex workers have a pimp. Some of them manage them all, their own selves out there. And it's not that they want to be prostituting their bodies. It's that they have to be in order to survive. That's the way they see it, that, you know, they have few options. And I'm not just going to lay down and die or live take up living under a bridge so I'm going to make money however I can make some money so that I can address the poverty that I find myself in. I suspect that's most people in the world. Okay? Not all, but I suspect it's most. But regardless of why an individual finds themselves on a prison plantation somewhere, there can be no question that they are human beings with human rights. And they deserve to be treated as such persons with human rights. And they should be respected. Okay? I'm, I'm not saying baby them or anything like that. But I'm saying treat them just like they were one of your family members. Unless, you know, some of us got family that we absolutely hate. And so we ain't got a problem mistreating them. That's not what I mean. Treat them as a family member you love. Okay? Treat them, if you love your mother, treat treat that elderly woman in that prison like that was your mother. Okay? If you have a son or a daughter that you love, treat that person in prison like your son or your daughter. That's what I'm saying. Respect their human rights. Because they are humans. So let's listen to this report on slave um, slavery conditions in Kenya. This leaked video of inmates on hunger strike has made the industrial area remand and allocation prison a subject of scrutiny. Just what exactly is happening here? The inmates who are remandees have made allegations of warder brutality. They have accused the prison officer Wilson Tunui of assaulting two inmates in the month of June and August. John Kibowen, a high-profile inmate who was in remand for impersonating former DCI chief Ndegwa Muhoro and Inspector General Joseph Boynet, was confirmed dead at the Kenyatta National Hospital. The circumstances surrounding his death are still unclear. The investigation is still inconclusive. However, the director of operations prisons, James Kodeni, refuted the allegations, saying the inmates are protesting the confiscating of contraband goods, including drugs and mobile phones. The true position is uh, some prisoners tried to bring about problems here yesterday. And it's because of the change of guard which took place at this facility about two months ago. The officer who in charge who has come in has brought about stringent measures to ensure that no trafficking takes place in this prison.
No prisoner accesses anything which is illegal. Hunger strikes are a powerful protest weapon, and it's not the first time that one is happening in this facility with close to 1,700 remandis. The officers have said that they have contained it, at least for now. What happens if the inmates continue? When a prisoner refuses to eat, uh, we are supposed to refer him to a hospital so that he is uh, seen by a doctor. If the strike goes on for some time and is becoming weak, and we can even enforce uh, forceful feeding. Sources that have shared these images of inmates with citizen television with requests of anonymity insist that on occasion since the change of guard, they have occasionally been denied meals, subjected to beatings in nightly inspections where the phones have been confiscated and intimidation. They had vowed not to take porridge and lunch these past two days until the Commissioner General Isaiah Osugo addresses their concerns. He has since spoken Monday in Naivasha. The current officer who was taken there the other day is strict, is really strict on searches and so forth. So I think this is what they are trying to protest against. As is, the focus remains on one of the largest remand facilities in this county. To see how far the inmates till the last one can hold out and what the final outcome will mean for prison reforms. The okay, so that was a report from Kenya Citizen TV, which is on YouTube. So again, they want to make it about cell phones and other contraband and what have you and not and, and of course not make it about you just beat somebody to death somebody got beaten to death by some guards in the prison they were showing prisoners obviously this is radio so you couldn't see the video um you just heard the audio but they were showing prisoners with whip marks on their back okay so and then if you want to talk about cell phones and all this stuff, look, that's inhumane treatment. When you just lock people in cages, what they supposed to do? Sit around all day staring at the prison walls, staring at the bars. If they are allowed out in the courtyard, just staring at the same thing every day. What about educational? I wonder what the educational opportunities are for prisoners in Kenya. What about the recreational exercise uh, uh, opportunities do they have? You just can't shove a bunch of people into a confined space and give them nothing to do. You just can't do it. People will go crazy. People are going, I should say, people are suffering psychologically from that. Hell, if you think, I remember some study uh, uh, years ago where they were talking about these orca whales, also known as killer whales, at SeaWorld, and saying keeping them locked up in a confined space in a tank and not allowing them, you know, the space and freedom that they had in the ocean and what, that, that harms those animals. Okay, that it causes psychological damage to those animals. How much more do you think that's happening to human beings? You know, and, and when I hear people talk about the humane treatment of animals, especially animals like cows and pigs that's 
about to enter the food chain and they're saying how intelligent uh, pigs are and what have you, saying pigs are smarter than dogs and have feelings and, and what have you. And then the way you shove them into these cages and they go crazy and they start hurting themselves and hurting those around them. What, what makes you think then that it doesn't have the same impact on human beings? But yet I feel like, and I could be wrong because admittedly, I'm saying I'm in my feelings when I say I feel like. But I feel like that there's more attention given to the humane treatment of animals than there is to people in prisons. That's just how I feel. That's that's what I gather from my observations that there are more people who care about the treatment of cats, dogs, cattle, and pigs than they do about human beings. What does it say about a person like that? What does it say? I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. But it says to me that, you know, you got your priorities all in in, in the wrong order, Okay. Now, let me move on to another story. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to go ahead and skip this break and get through these um, stories, except to say, once again, you're tuned in to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed on the Black Talk Radio Network. This program airs live Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Formerly, Tando Radio Show was in this slot that show is now in the uh, 11 a.m. time slot, 11 a.m. to 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, if they do the two hours. So for those that might have been wondering. All right. Um, this would be, let me make sure that I don't have another story. All right. I got two more stories connected to modern day slavery and human trafficking, except for this time, one of the stories is about slavery that has already been outlawed. And this is coming to you from Russia today, uh, RT, and they're reporting on slavery and human trafficking against children, the kind that's already been outlawed against, but it's, it's happening and we need to care about those people as well. So that's why I want to bring this story to you. I'm going to let you hear this report from RT, um, I think this is just regular RT, not RT uh, America. There are concerns that large numbers of child slaves trafficked from Vietnam and China could be working on cannabis farms in London. It comes as figures disclosed under a freedom of information request showed the scale of the illegal drugs cultivation. The high number of cannabis farms across London and trafficking of Vietnamese children to work in them is extremely worrying. Potentially thousands of children and young people are being trafficked from Vietnam and exploited by ruthless criminal gangs. Well, let's cross live now to London and RT's Anastasia Cherkina. Hi, Nastia. How large a problem is this in Britain right now? Tell us. 
Well, uh, Yunan, the situation seems to be pretty dire. Indeed, this issue of cannabis farms, human trafficking and child slavery yet again comes to the forefront in London as this data from uh, uh, Scotland Yard following a uh, Freedom of Information request revealed that hundreds of cannabis farms have been discovered in the British capital in recent years. And specifically, that number is said to be at 314. That's one farm every two days from uh, January 2016 until April this year. And of course, this is a number that's likely to change as the year unravels. And what makes these matters worse is uh, certainly concerns about who it is that's being to work at these farms or uh, factories, as they're described. We do know that experts from campaign groups have been raising red flags about this issue for at least a decade now, with headlines circulating in the British press on and off uh, throughout recent years, uh, trying to raise attention to this issue. However, uh, experts are continuing to say that large numbers of uh, children and teens from countries like Vietnam and other places are trafficked to work at these kinds of farms. And indeed, this is being described as extremely worrying. It's being said that over 2,000 suspected uh, trafficking victims were referred to officials just last year. And that's a number that's being described as the highest on record. And one of the concerns that campaigners have on this issue is that oftentimes these people, when discovered working at these farms, could be treated as as criminals as opposed to victims. And this is certainly seen as a very serious issue. We have uh, sent out requests to the Home Office, to the Metropolitan Police and uh, anti-trafficking groups such as Anti-Slavery International. So we will be certainly updating this report once we hear back from them on this topic. Now, first thing that came to my mind was to look up is cannabis legal in the UK. The UK the United Kingdom, that is, just legalized medicinal cannabis. They just did it in July, I believe, is, is when it occurred. So they're now allowing doctors to prescribe the cannabis plant to patients because it does have medicinal properties, okay? Well-documented, scientifically researched, and what have you. But for the most part, it's still illegal. So again, here we have drug policy, a nation's drug policy being one of the big drivers of slavery and human trafficking. Granted, in this case, in the UK, we're talking about illegal slavery. Okay. But it is because of cannabis prohibition, trying to tell grown folks that they can't use one of the plants that, that the creator created for us or mother earth gave us to tell us we can't use this plant and we'll throw you in prison if you use this plant. Okay. So we have prohibition creating crime, just like alcohol prohibition in the United States led to what mob violence, violence between these gangs known as often called the mob, but they're gangs too. I, I think that might be racism when they talk about mobs versus gangs. They're the same thing, okay? So, yeah, when we hear about these Italian gangs or Irish gangs or or whatever nationality they're repping, and they fought each other during um, alcohol prohibition in the United States, 
drive-by shootings, all of that stuff that we hear about today that's related to drug prohibition, mainly cannabis prohibition in 2018. That's usually what gang-based violence is based on. It's usually based on controlling the market, which is the streets, controlling the market, being the only supplier able to fulfill that demand. Because you pass all the laws you want to, just like they outlaw alcohol prohibition. Well, people going to figure you ain't got no right to tell me what I can consume or can't consume. This is my body. You worry about what you putting in your body and not worry about what I'm putting in my body. Okay? I'm an adult. You're an adult. Stay in your lane. Okay? So even when they outlaw alcohol, still people wanted to drink alcohol, thus creating the underground market for alcohol, which led to the gang wars for market share. Same thing we're facing today. And this story coming to you out of the UK, while I'm sure they got prison slaves behind drug laws in the UK, now you got criminals who are using victims of slavery and human or human trafficking victims looking for a better life, probably trying to get out of their impoverished situation, wherever they live, possibly fleeing some type of persecution who, who knows what their individual stories are, but what's happening is they're being taken advantage of and, and employed for this criminal market for cannabis that prohibition laws have created. The government is ultimately responsible. The, the government probably, and I'm saying this in a generic way, applying it not just to the United States or the UK, but I would say governments are probably the most anti-freedom organizations in the world. Okay? I, I truly believe that there, when it comes to anything that's against your individual freedom, it's a, usually a government behind that. All right, so that's that story about the slavery that has already been internationally outlawed, but is happening to these Asian children in London. All right, um, another story real quick. This is a disgusting story. I chose this story because yesterday we were talking about or reporting or sharing a report about in New York or Congress, some Congress members are trying to get a law that would prohibit cops, law, federal cops, not all cops, but federal law enforcement officials from having sex with people in their custody. All right. And so this didn't involve a federal law enforcement official. And I, I suspect as some of the people who work in law enforcement cited in this article suspect that these local police departments are engaged in rape a lot more than what we know because of under reporting because people are free afraid to report just like when we talk about domestic violence in the United States family members of police officers report higher incidents 
of domestic violence at the hands of those police officers more than any other group of people in the United States. And that it's likely it's four times higher, but it's my, it might be much higher than four times higher. It could be eight times or 16 times higher than the general population because people don't report because they're afraid of the police. All right. So this story is along those lines. Cops suspended for allegedly kidnapping and raping a 15 year old girl for hours, stalking her at the hospital. I don't know for sure, but I believe somebody in btrcommunity.com shared this article, and that's where I saw it. A police officer has been suspended, not arrested. He's been suspended after allegedly kidnapping a child for being out past curfew, raping her, and then stalking her at the hospital. A disturbing case of police sexual misconduct has been reported out of Georgia this week involving the alleged kidnapping of a 15-year-old girl, her sexual assault, which lasted for hours, and stalking and intimidation at the hospital after the girl sought treatment for injuries sustained during the abuse. Again, this is out of Georgia. According to Thomas Reynolds, an attorney for the family, the cops stalked the 15-year-old girl after her and her friends left a Waffle House Reynolds said the group of teens then stopped at Sykes Park in East Point. When the cop approached the group, he told the three friends with the girl to leave while keeping her, according to Reynolds. The cop said he was detaining the girl because she was out after curfew. According to the attorney, the officer then took the young girl to the village Highlands apartment complex and sexually assaulted her for hours before he finally brought the girl home. The officer had kept her for a total three hours, according to the attorney, Reynolds. She just broke down and was crying, the girl's mother told Channel 2 investigative reporter Mark Wine. Disturbingly enough, after the officer allegedly raped the 15-year-old girl, she went to the hospital to be checked out for injuries sustained during the abuse. As she and her mother were seeing the doctor, according to Reynolds, the cops showed up and stalked them. The officer's presence was apparently so disturbing that he had to be escorted from the hospital premises by the staff. As WSB-TV reports, East Point Police Chief Tommy Gardner told Channel 2 Action News that his department received a complaint of sexual misconduct against one of his officers, and that officer was immediately placed on administrative leave with pay. According to the report, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation has been called in to investigate the claims. While this officer is certainly innocent until proven guilty, the ideal that a police officer would kidnap and rape a 15-year-old girl while on duty is not far-fetched. As the Free Thought Project has previously reported, a probe by the Associated Press revealed that 550 officers were decertified, not arrested, not prosecuted, not imprisoned but decertified for various sexual assaults, including rape, in just one year. Some were dismissed for sodomy or sexual shakedowns where victims were forced to perform sexual acts to avoid arrest. A further 440 officers lost their jobs for other sex-related offenses, such as possessing child pornography, 
a peeping Tom, sending sexually charged messages to underage teens, or having sex while on duty. About one-third of the officers lost their jobs for committing sexual offenses with juveniles. There was one here, um, not in Mount Holly, but in this little town in Gaston County called Ranlow, where the uh, Ranlow police officer was acting like he was mentoring um, this white girl, this white student. I think she was in, in middle school and ended up, you know, uh, coercing her into in having sex and what have you. That just happened this year. Uh, let me see. There was a quote from somebody in here that I wanted. Chief uh, Bernadette DePino of the Sarasota Police Department in Florida, who helped study the problem for the International Association of Chiefs of Police, said it's happening probably in every law enforcement agency across the country. Again, this is Chief, this is a cop, Chief Bernadette DePino. She said it's so under underreported and people are scared that if they call and complain about a police officer, they think every other police officer is going to be then out to get them. Indeed, as this officer's alleged presence at the hospital in which the girl was, was being treated illustrates the intimidation starts right away. And I, I just can't believe, man, that people still fall for the propaganda and put these people on a pedestal. They shouldn't be on a pedestal uh, no more. Then anybody should be put on a pedestal for any job that they're doing. You know, they don't put garbage men on pedestals. And even though that's a very vital uh, job in our society, you know, if, if the garbage men not working, then the garbage ain't getting picked up. Then we're in the world of garbage, right? So I don't think they should be put on pedestals at all whatsoever. It's pretty sick, man. It gets into idolatry. They have idolatry status in this country of the worship of the abyss with their propaganda. And and these are, are flawed individuals and human beings as much as anybody. Now, if you're a cop out there and you really did sign up to protect the public, to catch real criminals and not make criminals, you know, I, I, I ain't got nothing for you. I couldn't do the job, but you somebody is doing that job. Don't get offended when we refer to you as slave catchers, or any other kind of name, pig or whatever. You know why? Because of individuals like this is why, okay? they If you're so concerned about name calling and people calling you these names, and in the case of slave catcher, that's an accurate name, so I wouldn't even call it name calling, you know, but then you need to police your own instead of throwing up a blue wall of silence where you cover up for each other's crimes. I still, for the life of me, I'll never forget seeing that cop standing beside the uh, uh, Michael Slager, the cop in Charleston who shot Walter Scott in the back and was caught on video. Well, what else was caught on video? The other cop walking up and helping him get his story together and then later going back filing a police report backing up the murderer Michael Slager's story 
Nothing at all happened to that cop. Nobody was calling for his arrest. Nobody was calling for an investigation into him. Nobody said he should be prosecuted for help covering up the murder or the violation of the civil rights of Walter Scott. Nobody prosecuted him for filing a false police report for misconduct uh, in, in violation of oath of office or, or any of that type of stuff. And you know why I think he got off? I think he, I think people just gave him a pass cause his skin color was black. Well, he wasn't really black, but he was a dark brown. I think that's why. We just ignored what he did in Walter Scott's murder and helping to cover it up. He probably even witnessed it because he was sitting at the other end because he come walking up right after Walter Scott was dead, was laying face down on the ground and Slager was planting the taser on him. That cop saw it all, saw everything, and concocted a story. That's why I, I, in certain situations, we're talking about certain issues, I refuse to engage in color-coded terms. Because like Mr. Uh, Fuller said in the clip I played, it don't matter what color you are if you don't believe in practicing justice. If you are a cop, and you out here killing people, you helping these cops cover up killing people which makes you an accessory to murder then you should be prosecuted no passes no ifs ands and buts about it and for you cops that say hey we're not all a bunch of raping murdering criminals and slave catchers then you know what if you want to clean up your image then clean up your department and turn these criminals in to uh, IA, internal affairs or whatever. Report them to the State Bureau of Investigations. Report, gather evidence and report it to the Department of Justice. Do everything in your power to be a whistleblower and bring these issues to light is what I say. Then we could talk about your image. All right. Listen, I'm coming up on the end of the program, but I do have one more story, a couple of more stories. I just hit upon them briefly. Paul Manafort, y'all know his trial has been going on. He was uh, Donald Trump's campaign manager, chairman, and the DNC, Democratic National Committee, and Hillary Clinton because their Pied Piper strategy that they worked with CNN didn't work, meaning that they gave Donald Trump all this coverage and and assisted him in every way possible to make sure he could get the Republican nomination because then it would be easy to defeat Donald Trump because he's such a big blathering, offensive idiot, and he, and he, he practices racism and what have you. So it'll be a cakewalk for her. And, but no, even though polling before the election showed that if Donald Trump could win, it would be against Hillary Clinton. If Hillary Clinton could lose, it would be because she was running, okay? Just running, she was going to lose is what they polling show. all right? So to concoct this fairy tale to shift the blame, they came up with a scapegoat, and that scapegoat name is Vladimir Putin, and AKA Russia. So 
we had the uh what's his name Mueller um I can't remember his first name Robert Mueller former FBI um big wig and what have you who by the way uh also engaged in telling lies to get us into the Iraq war and what have you so he's a known liar and what have you but anyway they appointed uh Mueller as the special counsel who's supposed to get to the bottom of this Russia collusion between Vladimir Putin and Trump. So he's then spent millions of dollars so far only Paul Manafort has been charged and that's the only trial. Well Paul Manafort was found guilty on eight counts of 18 counts that he was facing. Guess what? None of them had to do with Russia, Vladimir Putin, uh, uh, getting payments from the Russians or, or buying stuff from the Russians or, or any foreign national for that matter. And by the way, shout out to Noam Chosky for pointing out that Israel interferes in U.S. elections more than any nation. And they, and, and they all do it, including the United States. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying this because I don't believe Russia did it. I'm just saying that there's no evidence that Russia did it. So until I see some evidence, then you, you know, you just basically making allegations. So Paul Manafort guilty on eight counts of tax evasion. Nothing to do with Russia. Big fat nothing burger. All right. Then right before we came on air, Trump's former personal attorney, his pit bull, as he's been described that he used to go after people, Michael Cohen, who he also used to facilitate payments between women that he has sex with like Stormy Daniels and, and with after others like Karen Madugo, I think is her name, but core Michael Cohen reached a plea deal with federal prosecutors today. So he's going to plead guilty. What is he pleading guilty to? Is he pleading guilty to helping Trump work with the Russians to interfere or rig the 2016 presidential election or, or any kind of connections. No, that's not what he pleading guilty to. Guess what? It's tax related stuff. Avoiding taxes, tax schemes and fraud. I'm like, man, when is he going to come up with something on Russia? Because that's what he's supposed to be the special counsel to do. But all we keep hearing about is tax evasion. Hell, why don't you just create a special counsel to go after tax evaders? And, and you'll be coming up with cases day after day after day after day. You'll never run out of business. Go after the 1%. Appoint a special counsel to go after tax evaders. Not, not little poor people or middle class people. Go after these multi-millionaires. Because that's how most of them become millionaires. It's through fraud theft and what have you so Michael Cohen reaches plea deal nothing to do with Russia big fat nothing burger but there's still hope as as one expressed to me on Twitter today uh, Mueller's not done yet so yeah keep holding your breath on that alright we have come to the end of this broadcast I want to thank uh, Max for calling in and sharing his thoughts about the nationwide prison strike against prison slavery uh, brought about by the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And I just want to thank each and every one of the listeners.
are donors and members of btrcommunity.com for supporting the work that we do through the Black Talk Media Project. Again, the United States at no time in its history has ever abolished slavery uh, and they started practicing racism as a way to maintain slavery because they didn't want uh, poor, indentured, servant, white people and African people uh, working together against the slavers, against the aristocracy. So they created this race-based slavery and started passing race-based laws and what have you. But after the Civil War, with the passage of the 13th Amendment, Americans and non-Americans alike can become victims of slavery. So that's what's being practiced here. If you come here, you need to be worried about that. And if you live here, you definitely need to become part of the new abolitionist movement to end slavery. Peace and blessings to all. Good night.